For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Colts, where Lawrence Owen and Dequell Jackson brings you everything about the shoe. What's going on, Colts Nation? I'm Lawrence Owen, and with me as usual is Dequell Jackson, how has your day been today, Dequil? I uh, couldn't be better, man. Just I woke up today, my son was smiling at me, and uh, it, listen, life is good. I can't be better. I couldn't be happier. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so uh, I had a I had a bit of a rough night as we discussed earlier. A lot yeah. of rain come through, yeah. and leaks in my roof, but you know uh, we we pushed this back so we could have an actual live stream. And yeah. people in the, the chat be able to say, what's up? My co-host, actually, uh, from my other podcast is actually okay. in the chat. That's cool. Appreciate right. you in here representing my guy. Um, <laughs> so some news happened today. Yes. And we're going to kind of discuss it a little bit. Apparently, Carson Wentz, Zach Paschal, Ryan Kelly, they were in close contact with a person in the organization that tested positive for COVID. And now they are on a five-day isolation while waiting on that. Do you have any words to, to say about, about the situation? Yeah, so as, as much, when I heard the news, I had to you know try to do some research on my own because initially, if you go into protocol, if you're not vaccinated, that means you go into protocol. Is that mm -hmm. correct? If you're in close contact. So yes. initially I'm thinking, okay, these guys have two weeks to prepare for the Seattle Seahawks. You need everyone healthy. You need every, everyone available. And it's unfortunate that these three guys who are starters, who are big contributors to the Indianapolis Colts are in this position. Now it's not their fault. As you, as you mentioned, they were in close contact with the front office individual who contracted the 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 COVID uh, virus, and now them protocol. Now, does that mean they can have they cannot show up to the building? They cannot have any contact with anyone within those five days. So, to me, as a player, you need everyone right now, especially the starters who set out this past game, working together, communicating together doing all these things to make sure you iron out all the nicks, the kinks, and, and whatever you have to get through and, and communicate with in order to be prepared and ready because we need everyone available for the Seattle Seahawks. And on another note, me, I'm a, I'm a guy who I'm vaccinated, you know, and everyone has a different perspective or belief system, whether to or to not get vaccinated. And you and I spoke offline briefly. We both agree it's about the individual. Right. And I'm not one of those people that's going to blame these guys for something they unintendedly contracted. Uh, but, you know, we don't know their individual stories. We don't know their individual belief system. So I'll leave that at that. And if anyone wants to talk about it, I'm here to talk more, uh, more in depth about it for sure. 
But uh, this is a huge blow. This is a huge blow. Carson Wentz, we're talking about he he, he was able to get back in such a expedited time. You have him back, and now this happens. So not only are his his, his uh, teammates on the offensive side of the ball are going to feel that blow, everyone's going to feel it. The offensive coordinator is going to feel it. Frank Wright is going to feel it. So this is going to be challenging to see how they're able to prepare because this, in my opinion, is the worst-case scenario going into the first game of the season. Yeah, it, it is awful. Um, pretty much the only thing that Carson Wentz has right now is the day and a half of full practice that he had at the beginning of camp. And then those three days that he had uh, with seven on sevens and personals last he week. He needs all the work he could possibly mm-hmm. get. You know, everyone's talking about, you know, this is the year where he could finally be reunited with Frank Wright, where he had his best seasons in the NFL when he was playing with the Eagles. People are people have people have a lot of expectations for this team this team year in and year out, but especially so this year. In my opinion, this is a make or break season for Carson Wentz. And right now, again, I'm not blaming him, but in the same breath, when he gets back, he needs to come back, you know, uh found on all cylinders. And let's let me add another caveat to this story. We don't know how this is gonna affect him moving forward. We saw we talked briefly offline about Cam Newton last year. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a Colts broadcast, but I just want to put break bring this point up. Cam Newton last year was playing pretty well before he was in COVID protocols. He got back; he was never the same. Now, was that the issue? I don't know, but I'm I'm pretty confident it has something to do with his inability to play as well as he did prior to being in COVID protocols. Absolutely, I I, I fully agree. And it's not just Wentz. Uh, think about. Ryan Kelly, you know, a guy who just got on the NFL 100 list, actually, yes. for the Colts. And he's missed uh, a few weeks due to a hyperextended elbow through preseason, got back, started practicing a little bit with Carson Wentz, and now yes. he's out as well with it. So, and that that's your that's your handoff. That's that's yes. everything right there, you know. And they yeah. need all the time in the world together so that there's no mistakes in between that handoff and and um you know making adjustments at the line and stuff when you see uh the defense in front of you and making yes. making adjustments and things like that is quarterback and center's job. So you yeah. hit a you hit a home run with that because as a middle linebacker in my previous years playing middle linebacker. The, the quarterback center exchange is paramount. Mm-hmm. First, that between the, the the relationship that they have is paramount. And also, as you mentioned, I'm glad you brought it up, the communication, the pre-snap communication, who's coming, who's not, you know, how to, which way is the line going to full slide? If we're going to slide away from the back, you know, the center and quarterback have to be on the same page. I've seen it in practice before, you know, uh, you know, from, from uh, Hasselback, to Andrew Luck at practice, there have been times where the quarterback is calling protection to go one way and the center is calling for the protection to go the other way. And you know what? They got to we got to, you know, blow the whistle, get it figured out and come back to the next play. And Ryan Kelly was a was a big part of that. When I was there, he was, a you know, a, a first round draft pick there. So there was a lot of kinks you had to work out. So the time missing, but especially between these two guys is paramount. I can't say it enough. And. Every other guy on that team, T.Y. Hilton, he's expecting Carson Wentz to be back. He needs to catch balls. I mean, he needs to see how the ball comes out of his hand. I know he's a veteran. I know he's done it before. But Carson Wentz needs to prove that he can be available. He needs to prove that he can command a huddle. And all the things that he's done before, 
But every coach is sitting back saying that, man, every coach wants to go into a regular season with all their guys healthy, all their guys available. And God forbid, I know this is a unique circumstances circumstance with COVID learning, but uh, this is going to be this is going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. We have a pretty big donation. Thank you, Ross, for the donation in the stream uh, just a few seconds ago. He donated $40. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, Ross, he says, good man. He says, uh, congratulations, Lawrence and Chuck, because that's the name of the my other co-host on your success of being able now to chat with Dequell Jackson, who is my co-host yes. now on Believe in Colts. Um he says, a legend, you're a legendary pro bowler, and especially since you played inside linebacker, just yeah. like Ross played inside linebacker, a lot okay. of respect. <laughs> the, the respect is given back to you, my friend. We appreciate the donation. So I wonder what what, what level he, he reached. Was it high school, middle school, or I, uh, you know, college? Well, hey, uh, one linebacker, I, from one linebacker to another, we appreciate it. We absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so there's uh, Brandon Wood in the comment section says Pascal doesn't scare me as much as Wentz and Kelly do because they have no chemistry right now. Uh, Kelly has been with a lot of quarterbacks, basically a new one every year since he's been in. Sure. And sure. so he's not all that worried about it. being the fact that Kelly has had to move from one quarterback to another, to another, to another every year. Do you think that will help him uh, gain that connection with Wentz when it when it happens? Well, I can tell you this. That's a great point he brings up. I can tell you this. He is familiar with that, um, being unfamiliar with a guy. <laughs> so he knows how to prepare and what it's going to take in order to expedite that time. And whether it be, you know, definitely time after practice, during practice, after practice, before practice, all these different things. That's the that is the hope that we all have that Kelly and both of these guys understand the sense of urgency that they're under. The team is under, especially so those two guys. Uh, that's a good point. Kelly has been through it before and, and, and it helps to have that experience. Ross jumps back in and said that uh, he only played high school. He got out of it after he had a horrendous rot rotator cuff injury. So uh, sorry if that happened to you. I had a knee injury. That's why I ended up oh, getting out. Um I had my knee blown out, had to re knee replacement, everything. It, it, it was awful. Uh, we Things like that happen. That's that's one yeah. of the roads that happen to a lot of football players. And, and not just football players, sports in general. That's why, no you know, um, you have a, a lot of people who even could, you know, have potential to, to make it through into college and, and, and possibly beyond. But because of injuries and stuff, yes. sometimes that, that'll knock them out. You know, um, there's, there's a guarantee in the, within the locker rooms. Of, there's one thing you can guarantee when you make it to the NFL is injury. Injuries. They happen, man. You can't avoid them. And I, I've been blessed not to have any serious, significant knee in, knee issues. Uh, only in college, but never, never um, much so in, in, in the pros. So I, I escaped that bullet. But I have torn some pecs and broken a big toe and broken a wrist and all those other things. So my body has definitely taken a beating and a pounding from years and years of playing a contact sport. But I guess what? I'll do it all over again. I will do it all over again. I love it that much. Absolutely. We got another donation by Colt Loyalist. It's Chuck, my other co-host. He drops five bucks. Thank you. You didn't have to do that. You could have just dropped the question in the 
in the chat, I would have got that got to it. <laughs> he says, with Kelly and Wentz missing this week, does that put us behind on installing a game plan with Frank Reich? No, no, because because one thing I can tell you about NFL guys and veteran guys and experienced guys, this is part of the maturity as a pro. This is you can be a pro on the field. You can get the mental reps, the physical reps, but being a pro and it's going to show Kelly's experience. And Wentz, I think Wentz has it figured out. He understands how to prep for a game um, and all those different things. But I think this is what, you know, a lot of us, I played 11 years. I had to do it many a times. Chuck Pagano, you know, I was on the back nine of my career. He he told me, he was like, listen, you're only going to practice three days a week, you know, uh, one day is going to be a mental day. And he trusted that I was going to mentally prepare uh, and be ready for uh, the regular season. I don't have any problems with either one of these guys having any mental blips uh, throughout the week. They'll be able to get the game plan. I don't think at the very least they have the game plan for if Carson Wentz does or does not play. I don't know if that's been uh, – we know that for sure. But uh, I think everyone's going to be – bought in everyone's going to get the game plan that's that, that'll be a non-issue in my opinion awesome yeah that's that's good to hear because yeah i mean when when you're a veteran you start like you said you know you start out like that so last year uh rivers didn't get a whole lot of time with with kelly starting out right because there was mm-hmm. no preseason no training camp nothing like that and yes he did start off a little slow but at the same time, that it, it didn't affect the game plan that Reich was was sure. bringing out. So, sure. Sure. um, so yeah, the, go ahead. Yeah, at the very least, it'll affect the their play. But from a mental standpoint, they'll they, they'll be hitting on all cylinders as far as a game plan. They're not going to not install something because of a guy could be there or not. So, I don't. I, that's a non-issue in my opinion. These guys are both savvy veteran guys. All right. Um, now from what we saw in the preseason games, there was questions about the tackle position, uh, because obviously Eric Fisher, uh, still dealing with his injury. And then he got put on COVID protocol, uh, last week, a lot of thoughts of maybe, you know, that might push back his rehab a little bit. Do we, do we know, is there a timeline for Eric Fisher to come back? Do we Um, we have any idea? I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but Achilles injury, that is uh, that is not an easy thing to come back from. But, you know, they took a chance on him. I think it, when they do get him back, that guy, is a, he's a beast. He, he is a beast. He's, he's, he's blocked for one of the best to ever do it. So I, I thought it was a great pickup for us. But uh, not to cut you off. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's all good. I was just curious on your end. Do you think that the Colts should lean more heavily on their running game until they get that offensive line to full cylinders? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that was one of the reasons Carson Wentz decided to, while everyone thinks uh, he can be successful because we have a great offensive line, we have a very good defense, we have a very great running game with with, um, Jonathan Taylor and, and Marlon Mack. I know Marlon Mack is on the shelf right now. He's injured. But, uh, you know, there's some preseason guys that stood out to me, you know, Jackson being one of them. Uh, but uh, I think to answer your question directly, you have to when you're when you're under man, when you're when you're in that uh, 
that gray area. You don't know if Carson Wentz will be available. You have some issues with Ryan Kelly, uh, some of your offensive players being in COVID protocol. I think you had to lean on the 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 anchor of your team, which is running the ball heavily, um, playing a simple, solid execution style offense and playing great defense to uh, to just save your team and buy your team some time until Carson Wentz is healthy and able to get in rhythm, you know, get in, in sync with his 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 receivers, T.Y., Zach Paschal and, and, and many other guys. So I think that's the easy formula. That's that's the easy formula. And in my opinion, it's like you don't you don't shoot yourself in the foot. You do what you do best. You can run the football and uh, and uh, play great defense. So I, I'm, I'm a huge component of that. And I'm a, I'm a linebacker, man. So I love the, that that old school 907 style football, and and it wears on defenses. It really wears on defense and allows the offensive uh, passing game to open up as well. So I got to shout this dude out because Daniel Martin uh, Sonnenfeld is sitting here, and he says, uh, "Do you think the Colts will beat Seattle?" Uh, I'll be making my first trip to Lucas Oil Stadium week one, and all I want is the Colts to win because I'm a lifelong Colts fan. Okay. From Knoxville, Tennessee. Whoa, whoa! Not that's he's right in the heart of like Colts hating country, right? <laughs> right I mean, right. my goodness! So, uh, <laughs> shout out to you, my guy. Yeah, oh, much, my. <laughs> much respect for you, man. A, a diehard Colt fan in Tennessee land, huh? <laughs> but I, I do, I think, I do think if we have all of our our horses uh, ready to go, I think like you talked about, we got to. One thing that can help us early in the season is running the football, playing great defense. Uh, Darius Lynn, I'm looking for exciting things from him this year. Signed a massive contract this offseason, so he's out to prove that he's worthy of it. Uh, you have a guy like Grover Stewart and DeFord. I mean, we have guys that can get it done early on on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. I think that'll be – it's a huge task now. It's a, hu- a, a huge task with Russell Wilson and stopping – um, uh, what they do best on offense, but I do like our chances. So what do you think of the pass rush that you saw in the preseason this year? Do you think that they'll complement those uh, inside tackles that we have in, in Stewart and Buckner? You know, uh, I was I was surprised, and I, I'm optimistic about uh, Kawiti Pay. I, I like what he was able to do. Uh, you watched him last uh, last game against the Lions. He did what, I, what he was supposed to do, and what I mean by that is, he wasn't playing against the guys he's going to play against on Sunday. He's playing against guys that he should be, that he should dominate. And that's what I was looking for. Did he control the line of scrimmage? Now, there's some technique issues here and there. But overall, uh, I think that's the biggest question mark of this team. Will they be able to generate outside pressure? Um, again, Darius Leonard is a great middle linebacker that can rush the passes. So he adds that extra layer of uh, being able to play behind the line of scrimmage. But you have to try to manufacture pressure in some way. You know, if you don't have a guy that's a solidified 10-sack guy, it has to come from every guy on that unit. And I think Matt Eberthus understands it. I think the coaches have understands it. And uh, I do think, um, you know, this defense with, with Xavier Rose on the back end and, and Kenny Moore, I think you do have a shot to, to be able to generate more pressure. But it's hard for me to say that they, they can really turn the corner and just – you know, blow us away with, you know, our sack total and guys rushing off the edge. You know, I, I'm I'm a little hesitant on that. Talk about being a little hesitant. Earlier this offseason, Darius Leonard stated that he believes that the Colts will get 40 turnovers this year. 
I've and, heard this. <laughs> and, and that he was re-asked that literally, I think, last game during, and he says, absolutely, we're going to get it. And I'm just like, 40? 40? Holy yeah, cow. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tall task. I, I, I would rather hear him talk about sacks, but 40 turnovers, that's a lot. You have to be lucky, and you have to be lucky. You hear me? Uh, but uh, hey, listen, you gotta shoot for the you gotta shoot for the the clouds here when when you play in Indy. Uh, they expect big things. Obviously, he expects big big things. Hell, he got signed a massive contract. I'll be saying the same. He's supposed to say it, you know. And uh, I think he actually believes it. But forty is a lot. Forty is a lot. But hey, if we can get close to it, that means we're winning games. We're playing great on defense. Absolutely. I mean, the Colts were second, if I remember correctly, in the NFL last year in the turnover ratio. So, and I yeah. think they had, you know, they they were in the the twenties uh, with turnovers. So, you know, forties. That's a we will have to look that up. I, I need to look that up after we get off this show. Of okay, has there been a defensive team to generate forty turnovers? And that's... when when I think of that, I think about the was it two thousand and two. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense mm-hmm. when they just they crushed everyone and they hang, they hung their hats on creating turnovers like crazy and I don't imagine they were close to forty but they were obviously a Super Bowl winning defense. Absolutely, let's do it. Let's do it. Forty is the number, huh? Let's well, there there is. <laughs> I mean, Darius was talking about you know well, there was a lot of opportunities where you know dropped interceptions and. And they had forced fumbles but didn't recover and uh, situations where they they should have forced a fumble. I mean, if there's anyone out there, in my opinion, that could do something like that, it is Darius because, I mean, look what he did last year. He forces turnovers. That's what he does. That's what he's so popular for. Ross in here with another $20 dub. What in the world, Ross? (laughs) Dequell still have to bring up all the fact that you wreaked so much havoc on my Patriots. He's a Patriot fan in here dropping oh, money. Patriots okay? fan. Yes, hey, he's a Patriot fan. My guy. Oh my God. Hey, listen, that 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 is the probably the only and last compliment I've ever received from a Patriots <laughs> fan. So I, I do, I do, we do appreciate it. Oh man, you know, you bring up the Patriots. Whew. Man, you know, you know, I, I was going back and I have a bunch of film around the house and the old memorabilia. And during the pandemic, I was able to go through a lot, a lot of these boxes and I found some tape. And uh, I think my I've played Brady maybe three times ever in my career. I think I picked him off twice, you know, once with the Browns, once with the uh, the Colts, obviously. But funny story. So uh, some years ago, uh, Bill Belichick had a son playing lacrosse in the Maryland DC area and Maryland's pro day was, was up and I was there and Bill Belichick was there out of all people. Like Maryland didn't have a top pick of the draft or anything like that. And we actually had a conversation uh, on the, on his way out. And I was with the Browns at the time and I had picked Brady off early that year on a, what we call a dagger route. Uh, it's, you know, it was a deep end cut from the number one. I picked it off and we just had a funny story about that. But, uh, Maybe someday I'll tell you that story. But he gave me a compliment, which he doesn't do yeah. to anyone. So it, it was uh, it gave me courage to uh, that I was doing the right things and all that. But that's my little funny story about Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But we appreciate the donation, but really do. Ab- absolutely. Man, 60 bucks from a Patriots fan, ladies and gentlemen. Holy crap. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Skyler and Kirsten, 
has a great question that I would love to have your opinion on. He says that uh, Dan Orlovsky, I'm sure you know who that is. Yes, yes. Okay, he said today that he thinks that the Colts should take the next few days off mm-hmm. and then try to practice this weekend to allow Wentz and them to get more practice in. What's mm-hmm. your take on that? Um, I think it works, but you need to – Here's the thing. You you don't want to stop the schedule of your entire team for a handful of guys because this is going to this is going to be an ongoing process, a fluid, a fluid issue throughout the season. So if we're in the middle of the season, you're not going to stop what you're doing based on a couple guys. Like we talked about earlier, they have to get their mental reps and they'll be able to to well, they won't be able to stand outside with the guys, but They'll be there in spirit. It'll listen. These guys are under new normal. These guys were able to play a full season last year without a training camp, and things worked out the way they worked out. I think this year we have a training camp. Things happen. Uh, it is a great point from Dan Orlowski to you say, you know what? I want all my guys when we're on the field to be on the field at the same time, so we can hear the cadence, so we can see who's across from us. So the things that we talked about with Ryan Kelly. And Carson Wentz having that communication, taking that center quarterback exchange, making adjustments at the line of scrimmage. I'm here for all of it. But I don't think you should reschedule everything based on a couple guys that that are important. Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm sure right after the season, there's cut. You know, you have a you have to get down to a certain amount of guys tomorrow at 4 p.m. Those guys are going to get a couple days off regardless. That's typically how the NFL works. So you're going to get those couple days. I don't know if Carson Wentz and those guys will be able to be a part of it when the guys come back together, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't do it personally if I was a head coach, but I'm sitting here and I'm not Frank Wright. So it's probably a reason why, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, there's, you never know. If you wanted to throw your hat in the coaching ring, I'm sure you could, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be um, fun. <laughs> uh Roy Crosby, a Dolphins fan, says he follows me and he wants to keep up the great. Thanks for the follow, Roy. Appreciate that. Um, loyalist uh, again in here with the donation. My goodness, Chuck, what's up, dude? He says, Do you think that we can keep our top two run defense from last year and thoughts on our linebacker depth? And mm. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw mine out there real quick. I'm a little yeah. worried about our linebacker depth. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like Darius Leonard, uh, obviously, sideline to sideline really fast. He's actually – one of his best things is he's able to get off blocks so well. Uh, he yeah. uses that arm length in his in his hands and stuff so really well uh, just to, to be able to disengage with blockers, and that helps a ton. Um, Bobby Okariki's built very similar, but I don't see this that same ability – uh, sure. Now he's, you know, something I, I believe that he could probably work on in the future. Uh, but with the, the loss of uh, Anthony Walker Jr., that makes me a little bit worried because he was a solid Mike. Yeah, he was a stout guy. Yeah. Very yeah. good against the run. Um, now, I understand Bobby's going to fill that role. And then last year we played uh, our base defense only 30% of the time, which means we only had a Sam linebacker. 30% of the time out there. Um, and he usually played the Sam. Now we're going to be looking for someone new to step up, whether it's Zaire Franklin or Matthew mm-hmm. Adams or whoever it is that is generally a special teamer, you know, right. and that, that makes me a bit worried, especially on first down or second and short. 
Um, what are your thoughts on on the potential of our run defense this year? Yeah, we 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 seem to look through the same lens on this this issue because you're right. You know, the depth kind of worries me. You have a Darius Leonard who's a game changing ability, but again, you mentioned Anthony Walker Jr. You need a guy who is more stout of a guy for the run heavy base personnel groupings. You're going to see on short yardage and third and three to less fourth down stops. You need those big space eaters to be able to get downhill on the goal line to play those stout plays that that's going to come up more often than not. And you alluded to, you know, the, the, the style of offense is played now. You're 30% of the time, as you mentioned, you're in base defense. This other 70 percent, you're in you're in four wide. You're you're in smaller people personnel, I like to say, you know, mm-hmm. and now that's where Darius Leonard matches up. Well, now you can have, you know, your your speed guys on the field. So this is an area that concerns me. However, the way the game is played now, I think it, it, aside from the the depth. I mean, Anthony Walker Jr. was that guy that you need, but I think you'll be able to get by because of Darius Leonard, because he will be the Mike linebacker on sub defense. He will be the guy blitzing off the edge. So, and you have another guy that can cover and, you know, it does concern me, but not as much so because you have a great front in front of him. You know, you have guys who can get it done DeForest Buckner and, you know, Grover Stewart, who we talked about. And now you added another first round draft pick to that D line. That's going to cover up some holes for that back end. And I think that's what Chris Ballard and and the scouting department and Frank Wright were trying to to build. You know, you got a fast sideline to sideline linebacker uh, and Darius Leonard who leads that group. But how do you protect him? You get big guys up front who can play behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, you got to generate sacks. You got to generate pressure. So it does concern me, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, we uh, I, I, I talk about. We, we talk about the linebackers all the time. We talk about the will. We talk about the Sam. And basically, that, that's weak side, strong side. And yeah. uh, I, I, had, I had discussed this earlier, and I bet a lot of people don't know this unless they played football. So I thought that I'd give you an opportunity to explain why is the right tackle side considered strong side and left tackle side considered weak side? Yeah, so basically the way the defense is structured is so there's guys who travel together, right? Like based on the offense, if an offense comes out and we consider the strong side being the tight end side, so that's the strength of the defense. In theory, that's where if you're going to run the ball, you're going to run to your bigger people. If you can, if I can explain it in, in just the simplest form, if you're going to run the football nine times out of ten, you want to run it to the guys who are bigger. Right. To create more lanes and opportunities for your running back. So as a defense, you have to match up that personnel with big people. So the Mike, the Sam, the the right DN, you travel together. So if things and then the wheel side linebacker, the left DN and left uh, nose tackle, they all travel together. So when you see guys flying, moving around, typically those guys are going to be on the same side. And it's just matching up body type for body type. And to get in the weeds of it, uh, for instance, when I played in the three, four, I always traveled with a, a handful of guys that were on that. And if I was ever on the side, I, I played wheel linebacker. If I was ever on the side when Eric Walden, if we were ever on the same side, I know one of us is screwed up. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's a way to correct yourself on the field and it's a way to protect yourself at the same breath because 
again, it's all about ma- matching body types and based on calls, defensive calls that you get, based on if a guy motions from slot to create uh, another slot on the other side of the ball, you want to match your safety or your nickelback with light bodies. And we determine that by strength, whether that's the strength side or the weak side, if that can, you know, try to explain that the simplest way I could, but yeah, without, without confusing everyone. Alpha has a question that I'm going to kind of alpha wolf uh, in the chat. I'm going to kind of adjust it a little bit. Um, The way linebackers are changing nowadays, you see guys that used to play safety, you know, that kind of body style uh, Mm -hmm. now playing like, like, like Darius Leonard, you know, the, his yeah. body type basically was a safety 20 years ago. Um, right, do right. you see the evolution continuing to change oh, at, the, at that, at the defense positions? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And this, the, the, to jump at Darius Leonard uh, for one, 10 years ago, he would have been considered an undersized linebacker. He probably would have went, he probably would have gone later in the draft that he did. I was considered undersized as a linebacker. And guess what? They talked about your durability. Now the game has changed. When I was drafted, thank goodness, the football guys were looking out because that was the year uh, Jerome Bettis from the Pittsburgh Steelers decided to retire. So my <laughs> six foot, two hundred thirty pound butt didn't have to, you know, meet that bus in 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 the in the hole. So yeah, the the game changes because of the rule changes, right? Like now teams are throwing the ball like crazy. So again, you have to match body types and. Now you see this shift of the middle linebacker towards the later part of my career. Teams would single me out, spread me out, put a a slot receiver or agile running back on me because they know nine times out of 10, that guy's much faster than I am. And I'm looking on the island waiting for my help over top. (laughs) So so now the NFL is saying, you know what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go out and get a Darius Leonard style of linebacker who can run like crazy, who can match up in coverage and also play downhill. Who does that better than anyone? Safeties have been doing that for years. And so if you can get a safety that can convert, put on a little bit of weight, be able to run downhill, be able to to, to match up with the, the Travis Kelseys of the world uh, and all the great tight ends in this league, um, yeah, you see an evolution there. You see an evolution at the safety position as well, the free safety guys, the cornerback position. You know, these guys are getting taller and longer you know, and, and faster. So uh, everyone goes for size. Uh, I don't care who you are from, from the high school ranks to the professional ranks. If you have a guy that plays the position and he passes the eye test, you know what the eye test is, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. If he passes the eye test and he has all the intangible things tied, tied to him. I mean, that is an ideal situation, but you know, not all football players come in, you know, are, are, are the biggest, strongest, fastest guy. The the guys who have it all are the guys who have figured it out mentally how to, you know, they study their butts off. They play the game above the shoulders and uh, they were to get it done. <laughs> Loyalist says the Colts play against this generation's Jerome Bettis twice a year. In oh, yes. Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, you are absolutely right. You know, that that guy, what, what intimidates him about, most guys, we, in the in the NFL locker rooms, they call it uh, 
a business decision. I have you ever heard that term? Yes. Like if, yeah, yes. yeah. So a lot of guys that are really close friends of mine who I played with on this in the secondary, they ever matched up with a guy's biggest Henry and other guys who are you know bruisers like uh, who's the guy out of Minnesota, out of Oklahoma, Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, listen, guys will turn down contact and have a business you know make a business decision quick <laughs> but uh i've seen it before and it, it makes it so difficult to tackle a guy as big as a linebacker because he's running with a full head of steam and if you don't have come with the same foot same shoulder and you know it's gonna be a long day for you because he's running through arm tackles and he can run as fast as uh, uh secondary guys so you're right he is the new age jerome bettis in the afc south so uh, what you just talked about brings up an interesting question uh, in my mind. Uh, I've always said the way to tackle Henry is go low. Take him around, mm-hmm. you know, the thighs on mm-hmm. down, right? But yeah. at the same time, when you're a bigger guy, when you're a guy in the front seven, uh, diving like that all the time, that might be a little bit, you know, more rough on your body. Yeah, right, right. as opposed to just going up like you normally would and, you know, right. bear-hugging a guy and bringing him down. Um, is 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 that also kind of uh play into it uh yeah in, in theory you want to for a guy as big as you know henry and some other guys who have played in the nfl before i've had coaches say we need to get pressure and if you're behind the line if you stop him from going north and south right right away force him to go lateral to stop his momentum we have a shot so now everyone rallies to the ball even if you may not stop him from being a great player at least you you minimize the damage and with him, when he gets a full head of steam, you know, and no one touches him throughout the line of scrimmage, you know, Darius Leonard's going to have a tough time, even though we think the world of Darius Leonard. It's going to be a tough task for him to get a guy like Henry down by himself. Uh, so, and he's going to fall for three yards. So, co- I had some good coaches in the past say, when you have a good back like that, we need to, uh, you know, get pressure up the middle and see if we can force him to go east and west instead of north and south right away. Yeah, that's a that's a really good statement. It's a good thing we got good defensive tackles because uh I'll tell you what, when when Stewart and Buckner are both in at the same time against the Titans, we see that he does not nearly run for mm-hmm. as many yards. When Buckner missed that game against the Titans week 10 last year, he right. ran all over Indy. And it, yeah. and and that and yeah. a lot of people want to say, well, that's Stewart's fault because he was in there. Stewart was mm-hmm. replacing DeForest Buckner's spot, but then you had the backup for right. Stewart replacing that one tech, and right. now you know that was an issue. So, oh, oh yeah, trust trust me, I, <laughs> I've I've had many long long nights uh, tackling guys in, with my days in in Cleveland in that AFC South or AFC North rather. But uh, yeah, it could be a long day. Anytime you you take out you miss a presence like Buckner. I mean, come on. You can't expect the, the, the backup to just replace him. He's irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you. that's why it's so important to have guys up front that are able to 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 hold the point of attack and also able to, to, to shed and release, get off blocks, play with their mm-hmm. eyes as well as their hands. So those two guys are probably, in my opinion, the, the two best tandems you could find on any D-line you know, right now. And, uh, you know, they do an exceptional job and and allows the guys behind them to to reap all the benefits. So I'm sure Darius Leonard's taking great care of those guys because uh, I know I, I tried to when I was there, man. Any any guy that was willing to give up his body 
and to just take up two in order for me to make the play and get the glory, uh, you got to take care of those guys. Defense line, offensive line, they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm not saying, you know, weight wise, I'm talking height. Like DeForest oh. Buckner is a mountain of a man. Grover yeah. Stewart's a mountain of a man. You go <laughs> yeah. look at some of these these offensive linemen, you're looking six, 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 seven, <laughs> six, eight guys, right? Yeah. And yeah. what I, when you have the offensive line, the defensive line, they come together. I call that kind of the wash, right? And how difficult is it as a linebacker or a safety? To be able to see through that, to know where the ball is sometimes? Yeah, it's a lot of film study, a ton of film study, and understanding blocking schemes. Uh-huh. When I when, when I took my career to the next level, uh, you look at all the guys that are in the league right now that plays in that front seven, in that box, the great, the great linebackers, the great safeties, the guys that can play behind the line of scrimmage, they have great eyes, great eyes and anticipation, and a lot of film study to tell you, Okay, if there's a pull, if I'm on the left side, if I'm the left weak side linebacker, the tight end is over here and the tackle pulls across from me, you have to know right now, as a back, you have to know right now, this tight end or this tackle, he's chipping and coming up to me. So it's understanding blocking schemes is one and two, just being able to, you know, it's trial and error. You know, you know, some sometimes it's not going to all all. All, you know, work out for you all the time, but it's the guy that's willing to take that chance and to trust what he sees and and have his 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 legs follow. And those are the guys that play when you turn on the tape and when you watch them, it looks so effortless. And Darius Leonard, when he's when he's rolling, when he's playing behind the line of scrimmage, it looks so effortless, and it's like he he shot out of a cannon. So those are the guys who. You know, as a former player, and if you watch the game, you know those guys understand blocking schemes. They understand uh, what the deep, obviously, what your your defensive call uh, uh, allows them to do, and how to manipulate things within the within the scheme. So uh, that's that's the part I do miss, Lawrence. I'm not gonna. I I love that chess match of the game, mm-hmm. and that's just what it is. We call it a game within the game. There's a game plan. You understand blocking schemes, but once the whistle blows, the guy falls, the guy gets pushed out of his gap. You have to make everyone right. And that is signs of a great defense and uh, a great play. I love that part of it. I absolutely love that part of the game. Well, uh, that also makes for uh, great information because, you know, you you love that chess match. You understand all this stuff. You can bring it to us. So, And that's yes, what you're doing yes. here. So that's awesome. <laughs> That is absolutely awesome. Joe you, you Thornburg. Know, go ahead. So the hardest guy, you talk about size, mm-hmm. right? This was probably the later part. Of, I was with the Colts at the time. We were playing the Dallas Cowboys. And Tyron Smith, Whew. probably one of the biggest humans I've ever played against. Mm-hmm. And I tried every move I possibly could. You know, it was a scenario I brought up where they ran they ran a, uh, some sort of counterplay. And I knew who was blocking me. I knew he was coming for me. I tried spin moving. I tried to duck underneath. Every time he just pumped me into the ground. And I got up saying, it was, it was so bad, Lawrence. I got up and told, I was like, you're a hell of a player, bro. Because most of the time that my moves work on, you know, a lot of these tackles who are slow footed. But I knew right then he was going to be a, he was going to be one that was going to stay around for a very long time if he could stay uh, healthy. But that was my little quick story about me getting uh, pummeled 
at the linebacker position. And but you you told him that? I that's, did. I I had never done that before. Never done that before in my career. Wow. I was like, I had to give him respect. I'm like, dude, you're you're a hell of a player. Because I gave you everything I had, and I knew what the player was. I knew who was blocking me, and I still couldn't get around him. So uh, that ha- that never happened to me, and it never happened to me up until that point. Wow. Okay, so uh, we were talking about uh, Buckner and Stewart earlier. Joseph Thornburg, who is a Steeler fan but also follows me. Uh, okay. And – so that that tells you a lot right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he must really like you. He must really like you. <laughs> well, hold on, because he says, I think Buckner and Stewart are the best interior duo in the NFL. And that's saying something because the Steelers have a pretty darn good interior duo themselves. Yes. You yes. know? Yeah. So yes. that's heck of a compliment there, Joe. That, it, it is. It, 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 the hard work those guys are putting in. Hey, listen, th- those guys are. You know who's reaping the benefits? The guys behind him, Darius Leonard. You know, he doesn't sign that big contract without those guys mm-hmm. being as good as they are. You know, and and I'm sure he'll be the first one to tell you that. But, uh, you know, hey, it, it, it's a team game, and those guys do a heck of a job of playing up front. And uh, I'm with him. They they could arguably be – it's up for discussion. Those guys could be the one of the best tandems in the league. Yeah, there's, there's a reason why you go out and get interior linemen. If you can't – find one that is super exceptional there's reasons why you go to free agents there's a reason why the Colts went and got Corey Redding you know yeah Um, oh yeah oh yeah Baltimore pedigree you know big playoff experience when I got to you know and Corey let me say Corey Redding is one of the most fantastic men I've ever been around just um you know just a presence when he walks in the room uh a professional uh, I mean, I never walked into we we spoke about this, uh, I think, last week or so, but offline. But when I walked into the Colts, you know, facility and met the players, they invested heavily into veteran players because we were at that point where we wanted to win and we wanted to win now. The whole thing, the Super Bowl. And Corey was one of those guys who were, you know, he understood blocking schemes. He understood, you know, uh, where my fit was supposed to be relative to where his fit was supposed to be. I never. There was I never experienced a D lineman that was so in tune until the rest of the defense. So those are the guys who, again, it's by no accident the guys are really good in the National Football League. You know, everyone has talent. There's a lot of parity throughout the NFL. It's the guys that actually spend the time to understand how blocking schemes work, what plays, what tendencies the opposite team is going to run, and communication. So it's not by chance these guys have a career playing well so Corey is one of those guys that had an exceptional career and he was he was very productive on with the Colts and with the uh with the Baltimore Ravens at the time all right so I was given basically a time limit by believe podcast network uh somewhere between a half hour to an hour for each podcast because this is generally uh an audio podcast we were sitting at about 47 minutes now I already uh, felt like it was we just started. It doesn't it? It's like, man, we just started <laughs> 10 minutes ago, just sitting here chilling, having fun. Um, maybe, maybe we could do this live thing uh more often because this is this yeah. is great. I love yeah, I, lo- I love the feedback from you know mm-hmm. the, the 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 listeners listening and asking, and these were some highly intelligent questions. 
you know, so uh, shout out to the Colts fan base for for having real football questions. And uh, yeah, I I love it. I can talk ball all day. (laughs) Uh, We'll probably close it out with one question, and it's a personal one for you. By Daniel Martin, son and help. He says, uh-huh. what was your favorite regular season game memor- memory for the Colts? Oh, that's an easy one. Was that a, was that set up? Did you put him up to this? No, no, <laughs> no. So it, Daniel is his name, right? Daniel, yes. Da- Daniel, so I have to say my favorite memory, that's two. Okay. The trip we when uh, 2014 season, we beat Peyton Manning in Denver uh, in the playoffs. And the game was just high tense. It was everything that you could possibly imagine that you you've grown up feeling the pressure of playing in the big game. But that wasn't it. It was the plane ride home. The plane ride home. Oh, my God. You talk about joy. I've never seen coaches that excited. I've never seen so many players that excited. The entire thing. I mean, it was just. It was a moment that I'll never forget, Lawrence and Daniel. It was one of those moments. Obviously, it was a team. It was like a it, it was a team moment for me. The team had played such a good game and we all could enjoy it, at least for the plane ride before we got ready to play the New England Patriots the week um, following. So that has to be one of my most memorable moments as a cult. Just us just having fun on the plane, enjoying the win, understanding how much Mr. Ursay and the Ursay family wanted this win and we got it. And then the second one was obviously the interception uh, and by um, by myself in the AFC championship game that that sparked deflate gate. So that's one of my highlights of my career, two of my highlights of my career that. I can talk about forever. It's just, it's so many levels to it. There's so many different stories behind it. And we, we would need an, an, a, just a, a sh, uh, hour just dedicated to talking about that moment. So that's definitely, that's a great question. I feel like I was put up to that. I feel like you put Daniel <laughs> up to that. <laughs> I did not. Uh, I, <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't do anything like that. I wouldn't do that to you, man. Uh, no, I'm all right. Joke. Well, I appreciate each and every one of you that joined. If you're listening to this podcast afterwards, be sure to go to YouTube and check out the video of it. And if you're uh, watching this on YouTube right now, make sure you go check out the Believe in Colts podcast wherever you listen to your audio podcasts. And until next time, I'm Lawrence Owen. We have Dequel Jackson. And as usual, go Colts. Have a good one. Have a good one. (laughs) For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.